Shalom, Nishpocha. Welcome to our 74th episode of our Kadima Talks. Today I want to share a little bit about persevere, persevering. In the Brahadashah, 2 Timothy is one of the three pastoral epistles or letters, uh, epistle is letter in Greek, that are uh, attributed to Shaul Paul, who is addressing Timothy, a fellow emissary, that focuses upon perseverance. In fact, Shaul advocates perseverance as a main quality for those who proclaim the good news. In 2 Timothy 2, starting at verse 10, why do I persevere? Hupam ino in the Greek, which means endure, bear, persevere, have fortitude. He said, why do I persevere through it all? For the sake of those who have been chosen, so that they too may obtain the deliverance that comes through the Messiah Yeshua with eternal glory. Here's a statement you can trust. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we persevere, we'll also rule with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Persevering in the kingdom of Adonai, in ministry, in business, is not giving up. It's not giving in. It is persistence and tenacity in the face of adversity and tribulation. Perseverance is not what you feel. It's not emotions. It's what you do. It's the effort required to do something and keep doing it until the end, even when it's hard, difficult, a struggle, it's a hard road to travel. Perseverance is a determined continuation with a steady and continued action of trust that occurs over a period of time through especially difficult and trying circumstances. Perseverance is a fruit we must produce to be part of the kingdom of Adonai. We are commanded to do so in Revelation 3 verse 10. Because you did obey my message about persevering, I will keep you from the time of trial coming upon the whole world to put the people living on earth to the test. God commands us to persevere. It's what he expects of us. Shaul displayed extreme perseverance, extreme persistence through his service to Adonai as he wrote in 2 Corinthians 11 verses 24 through 28. He said, five times I received 40 lashes less one from the Jews. And to understand 40 lashes was a death sentence. So five times he was one lash shy from a death sentence. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Verse 26, in my many travels, I've been exposed to danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the desert, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. Verse 27, it says, I have toiled and endured hardship, often not had enough sleep, been hungry and thirsty, frequently gone without food, been cold and naked. And besides these external matters, there's the daily pressure of my anxious concern for all the congregations. A person with less determination would have walked away just after one or two of these issues had occurred. The safest place to be is not always in the center of God's will. I've seen this so many times over the years that people will hold their hand out, put their finger in the palm and say, the safest place to be is right here in the middle of God's will. That's not true, as Shoal just explained. He sets the example to follow regarding perseverance for the Messianic community, to walk out the one new man and usher in the Messianic reign. Yeshua's return to judge, reign, and rule. We, the Messianic community, have been given a work of perseverance, endurance, of fighting the good fight of faith until it is established. What Shaul strived and died for, we take for granted today. In fact, we might even be a little bit spoiled. Leadership requires perseverance skills. Perseverance is one of the main qualities that is required to achieve success. Whatever may be your goals, if you persevere, you will succeed. 
It's also very important to invest in your knowledge and skill sets, as I shared in our last Kadima regarding a teachable spirit. This prepares you and sets the foundation to move forward and expand keys of success. On a side note, achieving your goals, experiencing success will not happen without failures. The key in failure is to learn from it what we call falling forward. Don't give up. Persevere. Perseverance is the capability of continuing something despite extreme difficulty or opposition. People who are persistent, like Moshe, Yeshua, and Shaul, exhibit a number of desirable traits and skill sets such as dependability, toughness in mind and body, tenacity, determination, willpower, flexibility, strength of character, and resilience when faced with trials and adversities. It's the will to succeed no matter what the cost. We have a few characteristics of persevering in leaders. The one consistent trait shared by successful leaders is the ability to persevere. Corporations, organizations, movements, even men have spent copious amounts of time, energy, and money attempting to figure out what makes various people or organizations successful. There's a gazillion books out there on leadership success. Every book is different because not everyone does it the same way. For success, human nature tends to look at credentials, intelligence, and education for the answer to success. In reality, more than anything else, it's a person's ability to persevere. Perseverance makes the difference. Take a look at the lives of effective leaders and you'll quickly see perseverance that leads to success. More than 50% of all CEOs of Fortune 500 companies had C or C-minus averages in college. Nearly 75% of all U.S. presidents were in the bottom half of their classes. More than 50% of all millionaire entrepreneurs never finished college. Get this, the average millionaire goes bankrupt at least three and a half times. Those numbers are staggering. Listen to this one. In the Messianic realm, 75% of new startup Messianic congregations fail in the first two years, the first 24 months. 75%. Successful leaders don't get deterred or quit. They persevere. Here's one of my favorite quotes that I often use when I was in the Navy and have shared this numerous times in the last 22 years of ministry. It's not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out where the strong man stumbled or where a doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, who knows the greatest enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself on a worthy cause. The man who at best knows the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold, timid souls who never knew victory or defeat. That was quoted from President Teddy Roosevelt. Perseverance is the ability to be proactive and move forward when others can't or won't. The characteristic of perseverance is not a skill one is born with, but it can be developed and grown like character. A profound revelation is that perseverance is a choice. You choose to persevere or not to persevere. There must be great intentionality in overcoming failures. Many lack the courage and the tenacity to persevere. Let's talk about some characteristics of persevering in leaders. There's a certainty of purpose. And in a ministry, we call this a calling. In, in business, this would be a certainty of purpose. You know you're doing what you should be doing. We usually persevere when our questioning is strong enough. It serves as a motivator to keep on track and persevere. When you say, I know I'm called to do this. Why am I struggling to get through this? In our case, as Lord, help us overcome these world blocks that's preventing the goals you have put within us. 
There has to be passion. To persevere, it will require great passion, which determines your destiny. The stronger your fire, the greater the desire, and the greater the potential. There's no substitute for passion. It is the fuel for the will. If you want anything badly enough, you'll find the willpower to achieve it. At times, our desire isn't strong enough to do the hard work or persevere enough to obtain it. There has to be some self-belief, not haughtiness, not pride, but self-belief. You must believe in yourself to achieve your preferred outcomes, your destiny. Listen, the Lord spoke to me directly almost 24 years ago. I have no doubt whatsoever of my calling and what I'm doing in the kingdom of God. Zero doubt. I've been to many meetings over the last 22 years, especially among leaders where a speaker will get up and say, you know, who, who's not sure if they're doing what they should be doing? And I'm stunned to see 30 or 40% in the room raise their hands. I'm like, are you kidding me? If I was unsure or didn't know that God had called me to do this, I, I trust you me, I would not be doing it. There's, there's a lot less stressful things I could be doing in my life right now. You must believe in yourself. You must believe in that calling that God has placed upon you. Limiting beliefs will weaken your ability to persevere. If you lose your confidence, it means you're wasting time and energy worrying instead of preparing, or you think that someone else should step in, or you're not capable enough, or don't have the skill sets. None of these is a perfect outcome. So rearing and strengthening your self-belief can support your drive to persevere. You must have determination of plans. Setting goals is a key aspect of persevering. Not knowing where you're going will not help you get to the goal. This is important, and this comes back to some of the other talks we've given about having a vision statement and having a mission statement. It has to be clear. More than one vision is die vision. You've got to set the goal. There has to be a determination to fulfill the plan God has placed upon you, either in the business realm or within ministry. Even if your plans aren't perfect, you should have something that you're aiming for. Put something down. Write it down. It's so important to write this down. Because it tends to get a slippery slope and you forget what you thought about three, four weeks ago or even five years ago. Write it down. You should have something that you're aiming for. It provides focus and a level of responsibility needed to persevere. If, if you have vague plans, if you're not sure where you're going and it's undefined, your levels of perseverance will decline because you're not going to have the desire or the motivation to get there because you don't know where you're going. Accuracy. Your perseverance should be based on a solid foundation of knowledge. After all, why persevere with a business or a ministry if you haven't done your research or understand the sector or have a plan and worked out its, its financial workability? Listen, I've shared this before. This was a few Kadima talks ago. Ministry is a business. And so we have to be stewards. We have to make sure that the payroll's done. We have to make sure that the medical bills are being paid, the insurance. And so there, there has to be um, a viability to what you're doing. You can't be successful in ministry and be a million dollars in debt. That just doesn't work. You can't do business to be a million dollars in debt. We're not in ministry to make money, but in serving God, he will give us the provision and the sustenance to do what he's called us to do. And so it's important to surround yourself with wise counsel, with expert advice and support to ensure that your perseverance is well-focused, that you're heading in the right direction. Don't have a bunch of yes people around you that just say yes to whatever you say. Be open to being questioned and, and bringing in serious uh, discussion into the plans and where you're going and what your goals are so that you can persevere and do it accurately. Listen, there, there's got to be willpower. You know, this is one of those things, uh, being in ministry for me is like being self-employed. No, no one's making me get up at six or seven o'clock in the morning. No, I can pretty much do whatever I want during the day, but there has to be discipline 
and willpower to get up, do what I need to do, do my journals, come to the office, you know, do all those things, all that's required for successful ministry. Lack of willpower is one of the greatest barriers to change. People with strong willpower are ultimately more successful. Our mind absorbs what we feed it. If we repeat acts of courage and strength and tenacity, we will overcome any anxieties, any fears, and any doubts. There's certain skill sets used to improve your perseverance skills. Everyone in life undergoes setbacks and failures. Everyone. The bigger ones may uh, make you feel more noticeable, but even the smaller ones can have an impact on the way we think and feel. And let me tell you, in 22 years of ministry, we've had more than our share of failures. However, it never deterred us from persevering and pressing to the goal. These challenges often cause people to give up and quit. Learning how to deal with and overcome obstacles and failures is a critical trait for leaders, and this is under the umbrella of perseverance. There are numerous approaches leaders can use when they're facing challenges. To improve your perseverance skills, don't be afraid to fail. Perseverance comes from failing and getting up again. Without failure, you cannot become successful. You must learn from your failure. Let it be a lesson rather than a setback. And change your attitude on how you perceive failure can provide positive growth in your life. The next thing, and this is a biggie, take risks. When you take risks, you face a possibility of more setbacks and difficult situations. But be flexible, learn to adapt, and understand what's needed to keep growing and moving forward. You will grow as a leader. Listen, I, I want to go back 22 years ago. We had just started the congregation. I'm still active duty in the Navy. So there, there's a big safety net here. No matter what happens in a congregation, I'm getting a paycheck every two weeks. I got medical. The kids are taken care of. The bills are being paid. But 22 years in the Navy, two years into ministry, and it was time for the Navy career to end, and I retired. And I, I've shared part of this before, that the week before I retired, our, our donations were $54. That's not exactly enough to... to sustain my family and pay a salary uh, to keep us moving. But we took a risk. And this included Rebitson. This included my spouse, my helpmate. Because if the two of you aren't in agreement, risks will never come to pass. And men tend to be more risk makers than, than women. That's not a sexist remark. It's just how it tends to be. Although I know many women who are risk takers and, and are very successful. But you have to be able to take a risk, particularly in the kingdom of God. When we first started Congregation Zion's sake, this was, listen, we were the only Messianic game in town. Nobody had even heard of this stuff before, and it was a substantial risk as we moved forward. We faced many challenges, but we persevered through them all. And God has blessed and provided and given sustenance all along the way. Early on as a congregation, we got involved uh, in a warehouse called Jezreel. There's still one in New York. We had one down here in Chesapeake and Virginia. We were shipping containers around the world. We stood up to ship the first container to Israel in the brand new warehouse. We were very close with him. Bill Will was the administrator, profound man of God. And we said, hey, we are going to send a container to Israel through the Joseph Project. <laughs> we had $54 in the bank. I was surrounded by naysayers that that's impossible. You can't do that. And the more they told me we couldn't do that, the more it raised up in me the fire of perseverance to press through and do it. Four months later, we had a container filled with medical goods and, and uh, toys needed for the Joseph Warehouse in Israel, and we stroked a check for $7,000 to pay for the shipping of that container. That's perseverance. 
press through even at, even when it looks like all odds are against you. And talk about persevering. How about the state of Israel when it became a nation in 1948 and seven Arab nations went to war against it? Persevering and trusting God gets you through it. You got to understand the pushback. It's easier to persevere where you have an awareness and understanding, a comprehension of resistance. When you listen to me, this is critical. When you grow deeper with God, the enemy will push back. When you expand your business, the enemy and your com- competitors, they're going to push back. When you know the source, when you're aware that this is going to happen, that there will be pushback and resistance, it loses its stronghold, allowing more room for perseverance. You know you're going to get through this. Build it. Next thing is build a network of support for you. Learn to persevere and build a network. Like in this case, we have friends, we have family, we have prayer intercessors. We have a network of people that stand with us, that agree with us, that, that pray and intercede for us. And this allows you to have a safe place, a comfortable place that you can speak freely and get feedback and get encouragement or get correction during challenging times. Whenever something goes wrong or there's issues, you can always turn to this network of support, your intercessors, the people you trust, your boards. That's the foundation, the bulwark of perseverance. Next, you have to establish some benchmarks. Establishing benchmarks determines what metrics your ministry or business must hit to be successful and victorious. This is into the mission statement of your vision statement. It's how you're going to get to that vision. It's setting the rules for success. Success is a long and difficult journey. You have to instill standards and track your progress. This will keep reminding you of the growth you have made. We don't do it often, but I'm stunned to pause and reflect. Brabitzin and I will talk. 22 years ago, we had our first Shabbat service, and all of maybe 22 people were there. How far we've come, the benchmarks we've set, how many times we've rebranded ourselves and grown and, and moved forward and, and persevered through all the tribulations and, and the Zurus that has come against us. And yet here we are, 22 years later, still growing, still prospering, still speaking the word of God. When you establish those benchmarks, it allows you to be motivated and persevere through the difficult times. Perseverance is the key to every great achievement because nothing of lasting value has ever been accomplished without it. This is a little bit parallel to sacrifice. Sacrifice is meaningless if it's not something of value. People might oppose you. They will oppose you. There will be financial setbacks. There will be time pressures, sickness, disease, and even deaths. Some of the biggest obstacles will be from inside. Self-doubt, insecurity, carelessness, insecurity, worry. You must give yourself the path, the skill sets, the traits, the self-belief to succeed, to trust in the Lord and be assured of your calling that you're doing what he told you to do. Perseverance, again, is a refusal to quit. It's falling down several times, getting back up again. We need endurance in order to deal with the stress of misfortune. People give up when they feel depleted. When going through adversity, watch out for pessimists, blamers, and toxic people. Beware of people who try to take you away from your dreams and goals. Spend time with optimists and encouragers. Persevere till the end. We call these life suckers, and I've had many of them around us in the last 22 years, that everything's horrible, nothing's happening, God's not moving. Listen, stay away from the pessimists. Surround yourself with optimists and encouragers that will help you persevere. Perseverance is one of the seven keys to success discovered by Herbert W. Armstrong, who was an early pioneer of radio and televangelism, first taking to the airwaves on January 7, 1934. He also started Ambassador College in 1947. He studied the successful people of the 19th and 20th centuries through biblical principles, discovering that without perseverance, you can't be successful. Let's quickly look at a couple of scriptural examples. Joseph. Joseph had a dream. 
about his family bowing to him that so infuriated his brothers, they faked his death, sold him into slavery, where he suffered sexual assault, extensive time in prison because his friends forgot him. Yet he persevered until he became the procreate of all Egypt, thereby saving his entire family and the fledgling nation of Israel in a severe famine. Job, a wealthy, successful man of Adonai, lost everything. His wealth, his children, they were all killed. He was afflicted with horrible disease. The only one who remained was his wife. Job persevered. He remained loyal to Adonai, refusing to curse him, who vindicated and restored him in the end. And it was so viral that Job's entire story and testimony is recorded as a book in the Word of God, as a shining example of perseverance. How about Moshe, the man who spoke face-to-face with God? He was an exiled prince of Egypt who was a murderer. He became a lowly shepherd. And by the way, Egypt loathed shepherds. And so ardently argued with God against his going back to Egypt to redeem his people from slavery that Adonai became angry with Moshe. Yet Moshe persevered and became one of the greatest leaders, prophets, and figures in Scripture. Perseverance is needed for our spiritual success as well as our success in human life. Yeshua told us we'd in fact suffer troubles and tribulations. He said in John 16, 33, I've said these things to you so that you united with me may have shalom. Remember, that's the absence of conflict. He said, in the world, you have Zerus. He didn't say you might. He didn't say possibly. He says, you have it. It's here. He said, be brave. I have conquered the world. The good news is that Yeshua has conquered the world with all of its struggles and tribulations. A person who has perseverance endures regardless of the difficulty, suffering, and grief one has to go through. And by the way, I'm going to add this right here. Because you know the times we live in. We are facing extreme circumstances in the near future. We are the center of a series of perfect storms from drought and famine and shortages and hyperinflation and stagflation and to possibly even economic collapse. But this is a time when the believers must persevere. We must endure. And by enduring these trials, we honor Adonai. It strengthens our trust in him while learning important physical and spiritual life lessons. In Acts 14, verse 22, it says, strengthening the Talmudim, encouraging them to remain true to the faith and reminding them that it is through hardship, phlipsis in the Greek, which means pressure, oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress, anguish, burden, persecution, and hardship, that we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, that's not one of those messages you're going to jump up and run around the sanctuary, roll around on the floor. It is through the hardships that we must enter the kingdom of God. He's telling us up front that, you know, it's a hard path. Yeshua told us that, right? It's a narrow gate, a hard road, and few find it. We tend to not hear a lot of teaching and preaching on this topic because it's not an endearing message we want to hear, yet it's a reality, the process by which we must enter into the kingdom of God. Like our previous examples that would shake your boat, sickness, job loss, financial crisis, death, fear, family dysfunction, Hasatan will try anything and everything to remove unseat and destroy your resolve and your perseverance. We must keep our focus and attention upon Adonai. Hang in there. Stay in it to win it and persevere to the very end. This is what's required to obtain the goal, the victory. I've shared this statistic before. It's stunning. 90% of people quit when they're within 10% of the goal. The message today is persevere. Don't quit. What does it take to persevere? It takes joy and trust. James 1, verses 2 through 4, then verse 12. He said, Regard it all as joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations. If you know me, and, and most of you that listen to this do, you, you know that I'm kind of a joke-around guy. I like to laugh. I, I like to smile. I, I want to have joy and fun. 
And and that's a direct result of having probably one of the most stressful jobs other than president of the United States that one could find. The, the daily trials and tribulations are daily, and it, it never ends. It's seven days. I'm not complaining. But how do I endure? How do I overcome? Why have I not failed and walked away when we're in a time uh, frame today when 40% of active clergy today, 40% have seriously considered walking away from the calling and from the pulpit? H- how is it that some of us survive? Because of joy. Verse 3 says, For you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. So you're going to be tested to know that you've got the perseverance. But let perseverance do its complete work so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. Verse 12, how blessed is a man who perseveres through temptation, for he has passed the test. He will receive his crown, the life which God has promised to those who love him. Nehemiah 8.10 said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The testing of our trust is what produces endurance, what makes us whole, lacking nothing, complete, regarded as all joy. Blessed is the person who, in fact, perseveres, for they'll receive the crown of life, the mark of royalty in the kingdom that Adonai has promised eternal life. Joy is the foundation upon which our perseverance is built. Perseverance and trust are intertwined together like the cords of a rope. Perseverance is when you keep coming back. You get knocked down, but you dust off and get back up. You don't give up. Failure is not an option. As Yeshua said in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find it. Keep knocking and the door will be open. What's that mean? Persevere. Keep doing it. For everyone who keeps asking receives. And he who keeps seeking finds. And to him who keeps knocking, the door will be open. Yeshua is describing perseverance, persistence. Keep trying. Keep knocking. Persevere. Keep pressing in and the door will be open. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said this, Perseverance is a great element of success. If you only knock long enough and loud enough at the gate, you're sure to wake up somebody. We must never give up. We have trust, loyalty, courage, tenacity, and stamina to keep going, to see our situations through the eyes of Adonai. We have a profound example of this in a Shunanite woman who Elisha interacted with in 2 Kings 4. I absolutely love this story because of her perseverance and tenacity to never give up. In 2 Kings 4, starting at verse 8, one day Elijah visited Shunam, and a well-to-do woman living there pressed, kazak, which means she prevailed. She, she was hardened, strong, become strong, courageous, firm. She was resolute. She pressed him, kazak him to stay and eat a meal. After this, whenever he came through, he stopped there for a meal. Verse 9, she said to her husband, I can see that this is a holy man of God who keeps stopping at our place. Please, verse 10, let's build him a little room on a roof. We'll put a bed and a table in it for him and a stool and a candlestick. Then whenever he comes to visit us, he can stay there. Verse 11, one day Elisha came to visit there and he went into the upper room to lie down. He said to Gekhazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. He called her and when she arrived, verse 13, he said to him, tell her this, you have shown us so much hospitality. What can I do to show you my appreciation? Do you want me to say anything to the king for you or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I'm happy. Remember the joy of the Lord is her strength. Life isn't perfect, but she's happy. She says, I'm happy living as I do among my own people. He said, then what is to be done for her? Gekazi answered, there's one thing. She doesn't have a son and her husband is old. Elisha said, call her. And after he called her, she stood in the doorway. He said, next year when the season comes around, you'll be holding a son. No, my Lord, she answered, man of God, don't lie to your servant. Verse 17, but the woman conceived and gave birth to a son the following year. And when the season came around, just as Elisha had said to her, there's something profound unfolding here. She pressed Elisha, Kazak. Contained in the phrase, rock kazakamats, 
all strength and courage for the glory of our God. Rock Kazaka Motz is an ancient Hebrew war cry. She's a warrior, a handmaiden of the Lord. Yet this Shunammite woman is barren, but this wasn't why she built a room for Elijah onto her home. She interacts with Elijah from a pure and righteous heart. Recognizing the man of God for who he is, she provides for Elisha's needs, having an addition placed upon her home so he'd have a room and a bed when he visited. She was honoring the prophet, the man of God, Elisha. Yeshua said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Because of her pure heart and service and spirit of hospitality, Elijah desired to show his appreciation. He asked her what he could do for her through his assistance. She declines the offer. But Elisha's assistant tells Elijah, the woman's husband is old. She's barren without a child. Elisha speaks to her and states that in a year she'll be with child, like Sarah, like Hannah. Two other stories of perseverance. She's in disbelief, yet it does, in fact, come to pass. Another supernatural miracle regarding impossible childbirths. Her status, wealth, and position are meaningless in Israel without an heir, without a male child to inherit the land and keep the family's name going forth. She has persevered through this situation for years. She does what is pure and right before the Lord. Her perseverance and endurance pays off. Yet this whole scenario is a supernatural holy setup. She supernaturally becomes pregnant, gives birth to a son within the year. But the trials, the testing, and the zurish, they're not over yet. In 2 Kings 4, starting at verse 18, when the child was old enough, he went out one day to be with his father who was with the reapers. Verse 19, suddenly he cried out to his father, my head, my head hurts. He said to his servant, carry him back to his mother. When he had him taken and brought him to his mother, he lay her on her lap until noon. And then he died. Unimaginably, this supernatural miracle child, her heart's desire made possible through Elisha as a blessing for her gracious hospitality and servanthood has died. I mean, what was it? I don't know, an aneurysm, brain tumor, whatever it is. This massive headache is followed by death upon her lap. How anguished cruel and disheartening this has to be for her. How many of you have suffered through similar scenarios in your life? When life is cruel, when life is mean-hearted, when you become disheartened, her one and only child has died on her own very lap. Yet look at the actions of trust from this woman of God who knows how to persevere. In 2 Kings 4, starting at verse 21, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door on him, and went out. Verse 22, she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants with a donkey. I must get to the man of God as fast as I can. I'll come straight back. Verse 23, he asked, why are you going to him today? It isn't Rosh Hodesh and it isn't Shabbat. She said, it's all right. Ve Tomer Shalom. Tomer means unfettered, speak, to say one's heart, to think, vow, decree, to command. Shalom is completion, wholeness, wellness, kingdom perfection, the absence of conflict, it's peace. She is speaking peace. In the middle of the most horrific and traumatic event of her life, the Shunammite woman says, Vetomer Shalom. She speaks, she decrees, she vows, she commands wholeness, wellness, and the absence of conflict into her situation. She's speaking life into her dead son. She's rejecting death. This is supernaturally deep and profound. Whatever crisis, zurus, tribulation, traumatic situation you're facing, Vetomer Shalom. Speak life into it. Speak restoration into it. Speak peace into it. Command wholeness and wellness and life. In verse 24, 2 Kings 4, she saddles the donkey and orders the servant, drive as fast as you can. Don't slow down for me unless I say so. Verse 25, she set out, came to the man of God on Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her in the distance, 
he said to uh, Gehazi, his servant, look, here comes a Shunammite. Run now to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you and with your husband and with your child? She answered, Vetomer Shalom, everything is all right. Verse 27, but when she reached the man of God on the hill, she grabbed his feet. Gekazi came up to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She's in great distress, but Adonai has hidden from me what it is. He hasn't told me. When queried by Gekazi, if everything is all right, she doesn't speak death. She, sp- she didn't say, hey, my son's dead. She speaks Vetomer Shalom. She refuses to command or vow anything but life till she gets to Elisha. That's perseverance. In verse 28 of 2 Kings 4, then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say not to deceive me? Verse 29, then Elijah said to Gekazi, get dressed for action. I love it. Get dressed for action. We're going to battle. Take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, don't greet him. If anyone greets you, don't answer and lay my staff on the child's face. No distractions, no sidebars. Go straight there. Verse 30, the mother child said, as Adonai lives and as you live, I will not leave you. He got up and followed her. Verse 31, Gekazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff in the child's face, but there was no sound or sign of life. So he went back to Elijah and told him the child didn't wake up. Verse 32, when Elijah reached the house, there the child was dead and laid on the bed. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to Adonai. Then he got up on the bed, lay on top of the child, putting his mouth in his mouth, his eyes in his eyes, his hands in his hands. And as he stretched himself out on the child, its flesh began to grow warm. Verse 35, then he went down, walked around the house a while, went back up and stretched himself out on the child again. The child sneezed seven times. The DNA of life, Sheva seven, then opened his eyes. Elisha called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her. When she came into him, he said, pick up your son. She entered, fell at his feet, and prostrated herself on the floor. Then she picked up her son and went out. Even in restoring life back to the child, Elisha shows great perseverance and endurance. The miracle was a process. We can arise at the challenges before us because every trial is another test to strengthen and purify our trust through perseverance. The Shunammite woman, she never gave up. She had great perseverance, and so did Elijah. When he received the report that his staff did nothing, he didn't throw in the towel and give up. To fight, to win, to move in the same resurrection power of Yeshua, we have to be equipped with a perseverance that comes from Adonai through trust. God wants to give us his kingdom. We have endured. We haven't given up. We've endured patiently. We've hung in there. We bear the scars of our struggles and battles through which we've matured and, and grown, giving us the wisdom and knowledge to say, Vetomer Shalom, into every crisis we face and never concede to defeat. Mishpocha, our 74th Kadima episode today, don't give up. Persevere. Speak Vetomer Shalom into every crisis, every situation you face, and you will see the Lord's victory. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.